You're listening to A New Beginning with Greg Laurie, a podcast made possible by Harvest Partners, helping people everywhere know God. Visit our website and learn more about Harvest Partners at harvest.org. Someone has said you always know when the devil's lying. His lips are moving. Today, Pastor Greg Laurie urges us not to buy the lie. The devil will whisper in our ear, God doesn't love you. That's a lie. Sometimes the devil will say, go ahead and do this thing. He'll say, it'll be fun. And he'll whisper into our ears these things that are not true. And the only way to know the lie from the truth is to have a good working knowledge of the Bible. This is the day when the lost are come with built-in baloney filters. We hear something that's too good to be true and we think, eh, baloney. The trouble is our adversary has some pretty sneaky ways of dressing up lies to look like the truth. Today on A New Beginning, Pastor Greg Laurie helps us tune up our spiritual discernment so we can spot the lies as they escape from the devil's mouth. It's an important study and one of the messages our listeners requested the most over the past 12 months. The title of my message is, What is the Mark of the Beast? Revelation 13 verse 16 says, He causes all, both small and great, rich and poor, free and slave, to receive a mark on their right hand or on their foreheads, and no one can buy or sell except one who has the mark or the name of the beast or the number of his name. Here is wisdom. Let him that is understanding calculate the number of the beast, for it is a number of a man, and his number is 666. So here's the thing. We wonder, why would anybody take the mark of the beast? And the answer is given to us in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 9, which says, speaking of Antichrist, this evil man, will come to do the work of Satan with counterfeit power and signs and wonders. He will use every kind of wicked deception to fool those who are on their way to destruction. Listen, because they refuse to believe the truth. It's not that they haven't heard the truth. They refuse to believe the truth that would save them. So God will send a great deception upon them and they will believe the lie. They'll believe the lie. What is the lie that people in the tribulation period will believe? The lie is pretty much the same thing that goes back to the Garden of Eden. Satan was peddling this thing way back when. Remember our first parents, Adam and Eve, were there at the garden, there at the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, and the snake comes to them, the serpent, the devil, and says, has God said you can't eat of every tree in the garden. Go ahead and eat of this fruit, for in the day you eat, you will become as a God, knowing good and evil. They ate of it, and then sin entered the world. But what is the lie that Satan was propagating? The lie is simply this. Don't believe the word of God. Believe something in its place. 
Hey, we believe the lie sometimes too. The devil will whisper in our ear, God doesn't love you. Why do you even follow him? He's against you. That's a lie. Sometimes the devil will say, go ahead and do this thing. No one will ever find out. You'll get away with it. Well, that's certainly a lie. He'll say, it'll be fun. And he'll whisper into our ears these things that are not true. And the only way to know the lie from the truth and to know good from evil is to have a good working knowledge of the Bible. All of us have been deceived by sin at some time in our life. All of us have known something was wrong, but we went for it anyway, right? And if you did, that means you listen to the lie. You know, in life, some people believe the truth and some people believe the lie. As you know, I've written a book called Billy Graham, The Man I Knew. And one of the stories I tell in the book is about Billy Graham and a man named Charles Templeton. You've heard the title of the book by Charles Dickens, which was A Tale of Two Cities. This is a tale of two evangelists. One was Billy Graham, who went on to change the world. The other was Charles Templeton, who has been mostly forgotten. In the late 1940s, Billy Graham and Charles Templeton were both evangelists for Youth for Christ. And some even felt that Templeton was the more effective of the two. Very handsome, eloquent, great communicator, intelligent. Billy was a great communicator as well, but he was a son of the South. In his own words, he would often say, I'm a country preacher. Templeton was more sophisticated. But uh, as time passed, Templeton began to doubt his faith. And he encouraged Billy to do the same. Templeton said to Billy Graham, you can't really believe the scripture. It's not really reliable. And Billy continued to believe the scripture. But this did create sort of a crisis of faith in the life of Billy Graham. And so one night Billy was up at Forest Home Conference Center here in Southern California in the San Bernardino Mountains. Billy went out to a tree stump and he took his Bible and he placed it on the stump. And he made a commitment to believe what the scripture said. And he said, Father, I accept this as your word by faith. I'm going to allow faith to go beyond my intellectual questions and doubts because I believe this is your inspired word. So Billy made a choice to believe what scripture said even when he had occasional doubts. Leaving that place, Billy went on to preach in Los Angeles at a tent that had been erected. And that basically was the launch of his international ministry. Meanwhile, Templeton walked away from his faith. He even wrote a book with the title, Farewell to God. But the story doesn't end there. My friend Lee Strobel uh, told me the story of when he went to visit Charles Templeton, who was quite a bit older and was in very poor health. And uh, Lee Strobel uh, who used to work for the Chicago Tribune and was a well-known atheist who came to faith after watching how God transformed his wife, was researching uh, a book he was writing. So he went to interview this famous atheist, Charles Templeton, and he brought up the subject of Jesus Christ. And much to Lee's surprise, Templeton said of Jesus, he was the greatest human who ever lived. And then Templeton went on to say to Lee Strobel, and you know what, this may sound strange, but I adore him. And I even would put it this way, I miss him. 
And then Lee told me he was really surprised when Charles Templeton began to weep. And, uh, but the story continues on. A little bit after that, uh, Charles Templeton was on his deathbed and his wife uh, said that while he was there, he said to her, he saw angels. He said, they're so beautiful. I see them now and they're waiting for me. I'm coming. So thank God, Charles Templeton, the evangelist, who became the atheist and wrote a book titled Farewell to God, came back to God and believed. But Billy Graham never stopped believing. You have the same choice before you right now. You can believe the truth or the lie. And every day when you go and watch television or you listen to music or you go on social media, the lie is hitting you. The lie is hitting you. That's why you need to fill your mind and heart with God's word to counteract that. So Antichrist, he emerges on the scene as a peacemaker and he does something that wins him the approval of many Jewish people in Israel. He rebuilds their temple. Now as you recall, King David uh, wanted to build a temple for the Lord because up to this point they would meet with the Lord in what they called the tabernacle or the tent. But uh, David wanted something fitting for the Lord and as he drew up the plans for this temple, the Lord said no. Uh, so David's son Solomon ended up building this incredible temple uh, which was ultimately destroyed and rebuilt by King Herod. Uh, King Herod was not a devout man at all, but he was a great builder and so that second temple became known as Herod's temple. That was the temple that was standing when Jesus had his public ministry. And one day Jesus pointed to that temple and he says, you see that temple? I'm telling you right now, there will not be one stone left upon another. He said, that temple will be dismantled. And they thought, he's out of his mind. We've been building this temple for 47 years. How could that happen? Well, it did happen when Titus and the Roman legions came in and destroyed the temple and dismantled it stone by stone exactly as Jesus said would happen. So that's the second temple. But the Bible predicts a third temple. That has not been built yet. So Antichrist will come and effectively erect this third temple and then he will commit what the Bible calls the abomination of desolation. Matthew 24, Jesus says, when you see the abomination of desolation spoken of by Daniel the prophet standing in the holy place, let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains. And so what is the abomination of desolation? This is after the third temple is rebuilt, Antichrist erects an image of himself in it and commands people to worship this image. And so commenting on that, 2 Thessalonians 2.4 says, of Antichrist, he opposes and exalts himself above all that is called God or his worship. So he is as God sitting in the temple of God whose coming is after the working of Satan and pretended miracles, all of them lying wonders. This marks the second half of the tribulation. So again, the first half of the tribulation, Antichrist seems like a good guy, bringing peace, rebuilding the temple. Then he commits the abomination of desolation, erecting this image. And that brings the second half of the tribulation when he begins to hunt down followers of Jesus, uh, hunt down Jewish people, and a series of plagues come upon the planet and on 
it goes. Pastor Greg Laurie will have the second half of today's message in just a moment. You know, Pastor Greg, you've talked about the Jesus movement, the Jesus revolution of the 60s and 70s. Yeah. It was an incredible move of the spirit, a a true spiritual awakening. That's right. But as we see the cultural decay in our cities and, you know, a moral decline across the culture, a Jesus revolution really has to be a part of our future, doesn't it? It really does. You know, back in the 60s, we used the phrase deja vu. A lot. <laughs> yeah. And deja vu is sort of like, oh, well, I've been here before. Well, almost in a technical sense, it seems like, hey, we've been here before. Riots on the streets, failing economy, hopelessness in the air, young people searching for meaning in life, a drug epidemic. It was called the late 60s and early 70s. But I'll tell you what turned things around. It wasn't a political revolution. It wasn't a moral revolution. It was a Jesus revolution. It happened before. It can happen again. Now, listen, we can't make a revival happen, but perhaps we can prepare the ground, or let me restate it, prepare the ground by praying for another Jesus revolution, praying for another spiritual awakening. I really think we're long overdue. And so please, let's all be praying for this in our nation And here at Harvest Ministries, I want you to know that we're committed to the cause of proclaiming the gospel. That's one of the earmarks of the Jesus movement. There was a lot of evangelism, and I feel in many ways the church as a whole has maybe lost sight of the importance of preaching the gospel. We want to get the gospel to as many people as we can, as quickly as we can, in these critical days in which we're living, and we want to see another spiritual awakening in America. Will you join us in that endeavor? Will you stand with us in your prayers and with your finances and help us to attempt to fulfill the Great Commission in our lifetime? Yeah, you play an important part in that. So pray about being a partner with us as we share the hope of the gospel across town, across the nation, and even overseas. Your investments make a real difference in so many lives, and it's an eternal difference. So prayerfully consider a year-end investment. Won't you do that? You can call us anytime, 24 hours a day at 1-800-821-3300. That's 1-800-821-3300. Or go online to harvest.org. Well, today, Pastor Greg is presenting an eye-opening look at Bible prophecy in his message, What is the Mark of the Beast? Let's continue. Now we shift gears from Revelation 13 to Revelation 14. We go from horrific things happening on planet Earth to some amazing things happening up in heaven. So look at your Bible again. Revelation 14, starting in verse 1. John writes, Then I looked, and behold, a lamb standing on Mount Zion, and with him 144,000, having his father's name written on their foreheads. And I heard a voice from heaven like the voice of many waters and like the voice of loud thunder. And I heard the sound of harpists playing their harps. And they sang, as it were, a new song before the throne, before the four living creatures and the elders. And no one could learn that song except the 144,000 who were redeemed from the earth. 
These are ones who have not defiled themselves with women for the virgins. They are the ones who follow the Lamb wherever He goes. They've been redeemed from among men, being firstfruits to God and the Lamb. And in their mouth was found no deceit, and they're without fault before the throne of God. So, 144,000. Remember them? We read about them earlier in the book of Revelation. And God had protected them in Revelation chapter 7. Wherever they went, God watched over them. And they're proclaiming the gospel. Who are the 144,000? They're Jewish people who have put their faith in Jesus as their Messiah. But now we see they're not on earth, they're in heaven. Notice it's not 143,999 that made it to heaven. No, all 144,000 make it to glory. And it reminds us of the statement of Jesus in John 18, 9, of those whom you have given me, I have not lost one. God doesn't lose his children. Have you ever lost sight of one of your children? Maybe in an amusement park or a supermarket. That is terrifying, is it not? God never loses sight of you. He always has his eye on you because you belong to him. Now, they have the mark of the Father in heaven, not the mark of the Antichrist. So all marks are not bad. Uh, Revelation 14.1, having his Father's name written on their foreheads. The Father's name. You know, you have a choice as to who your Father will be. You can either make God your Father, or you can be, as Jesus said, of your Father, the devil. You know, when I was growing up, I had a lot of dads. I'll put that in quotes. My mother was married and divorced seven times and had a bunch of boyfriends in between. And so uh, there was uh, my biological father. And then there was other guys she met. And she would literally say, this is your new dad. And uh, they were all very similar, these men my mother married. The kind of guys that would hang around in a bar with maybe a few too many of their buttons on their shirt undone. <laughs> and uh, kind of swinger type dudes, you know. And uh, I became very cynical, even as a young man, about a father. And then my mother married this guy in New Jersey whose name was Oscar Laurie. He was an attorney. He didn't drink. He didn't smoke. I don't know what my mom saw in him. <laughs> he was an honest man, a law-abiding man, uh, a very moral man. And I remember that he took an interest in me and treated me as a father ought to treat a son. So one day when I was coming out of school there in New Jersey, my mom had the Cadillac filled with all of our luggage. And I said, what's going on? She says, we're going to the airport. I said, where are we going? She said, to Hawaii. I said, oh, that's so exciting. Where's dad? She said, he's not coming. And I never saw Oscar Laurie after that until many, many years later. So we land in Hawaii. And here's a guy I've never seen before that my mom had married. And she said, this is your new dad. And this man was abusive and violent. In fact, one night in a drunken brawl, he hit my mother with a wooden statue and almost killed her. And uh, so I became very hard against all of these things. But later in life, after I came to Christ, I sought out Oscar Laurie, uh, who was still alive and had remarried. And I had the privilege of sharing the gospel with him and leading him to the Lord. That's another story for another time. But I chose his name. I had a lot of names I could have chosen as my daddy. Oh, I had all these names. I chose Lori, which I was mocked for in school, by the way. <laughs> I also went to military school where you go by your last name, so everyone, everyone called me Lori. 
But uh, I carried that name with pride because of the man that gave it to me and the man that adopted me. I chose him because he chose me. He chose to adopt me. I chose to carry that name. In the same way we choose who our father will be. You choose God as your father or by default you effectively choose the devil. This mark on the foreheads of the 144,000 is something that identifies them as God's children. It's sort of like an ID tag. Other people won't see it, but the Lord sees it. And by the way, God has put his ID tag on you. What does that mean? It means you belong to the Lord. Do you find that comforting? I do. 1 Corinthians 6, 19 says, you're not your own. You've been bought with a price. Therefore glorify God with your life. In the Greek it's, you're not your own property. You've been bought with a price. You know, when I travel, I'll take luggage on the plane and I have a little ID tag. So I was on a trip recently and I was getting off and I had my little piece of luggage that I was wheeling away. And some lady comes running after me saying, you took my suitcase. I said, no ma'am, this is my suitcase. I know it. She goes, no, it's my suitcase. Open it. And I opened it up and it was filled with women's clothing. I'm really glad she chased me down. And the problem was I didn't check the ID tag. And sure enough, those two suitcases, mine and hers, were very similar. If I would have checked the ID tag, I would have known the difference. And I'm glad she told me because I did not want to wear women's clothing for my trip. So we have an ID tag on us. God can read it and the devil can read it. And when he sees that ID tag, he has to back off because you are God's property and the Lord will protect his investment. Pastor Greg Laurie with insights on the 144,000 and how they're identified as God's own. And there's more to come from this study here on A New Beginning. And then it's such a pleasure to have Kathy Laurie in the studio with us today, along with renowned children's author Sally Lloyd-Jones. We're making available Sally's brand new book called Known. Details in just a moment. Kathy? Sally, I wonder if you could explain to us why the subject matter of this book that you've written based on Psalm 139 that you titled Known is more significant perhaps now than it has ever been in a time when which with all the social media everybody feels like they know everything they need to know and they can find out anything they need to find out but um, yet we're in a, a time where loneliness is just rampant and even little children may be feeling it you know that um, their their lives they may feel their parents are too busy no one sees them no one knows them and to bring them the biblical truth that God knows us completely, cares deeply about us, understands us fully, and loves us. And um, I think that bringing that truth to a little child is so important and significant that I think that that speaks to the need for a book like this on a subject like this at a time like this. Well, And what better place for, for a parent and a child or an, a grown-up and a child, to sit together mm-hmm. and be reminded of that truth that we all need, and mm-hmm. especially the little ones, because little ones get lost in the mix, don't they? And pe- everyone's doing the best they can, and we're all overextended, and there are so many demands on our time that 
it's easy for to put a little child in front of a, a screen, but here's an alternative to for both of us. Mm-hmm. You know, adults need to not be in front of screens, and that's the beauty of a book. And the turn of a page and the voice of the grown-up, it's all doing more than what it seems to be doing. And it's its building a bridge between you and it's also giving you a, a sort of place to rest in God's presence. And however short, and it doesn't take very long to read, obviously, mm-hmm. but even that's enough, isn't it? Just a moment to go, let's just take a breath and let's sit down and let's remind ourselves of what's really true and the reality that God is caring for us every single day and he made us and he's in charge not the news mm-hmm. and that's good for us all to know as an adult isn't it and that will convey itself to the child in the peace that you have together as you read that's our special guest sally lloyd jones author of the new children's book we're making available called known psalm 139 can we send a copy your way It's our thank you gift to those who can partner with us as we reach out with the gospel in some innovative ways right now. And your partnership makes all the difference. So thanks for your investment in sharing the gospel. And when you invest, please ask for the new book called Known, Psalm 139 by Sally Lloyd-Jones. And we won't be mentioning this much longer, so contact us soon. You can call us at 1-800-821-3300. We are here around the clock to take your call. That's 1-800-821-3300. Or go online to harvest.org. Hey, everybody. What are you doing this weekend? I'd like to hang out with you at Harvest at Home. What is Harvest at Home? It is a time of worship and Bible study exclusively designed for people that are viewing in from all over the place so you can be a part of our extended congregation at Harvest at Home. Join us this weekend, Saturday and Sunday for Harvest at Home at harvest.org. Well, next time, Pastor Greg brings more revealing insights from our studies of the end times in the book of Revelation. Join us here on A New Beginning with pastor and Bible teacher, Greg Laurie. Hey, everybody. Thanks for listening to this podcast. To learn more about Harvest Ministries, follow this show and consider supporting it. Just go to harvest.org. And to find out how to know God personally, go to harvest.org and click on Know God.